Welcome everyone to Golf Heffy Break here on Unsafe Space. Golf Heffy Break is the show we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. That's live. Today is what? September 6th. I'm Carter. And right beside me in a hat from her phone, which is a much clearer image than her computer, is Carrie Smith. Hello, Carter. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm good. I'm still on the road. Carrie. Uh, Carrie hates her phone, but it's so much better, everyone. The picture's so much better when Carrie's on her phone. <laughs> Encourage her to use her phone. Well, oh gosh, no, we're not. We're, go we're getting a better setup. I wanted to say if you're in Spokane, Washington, tonight we're doing a last minute meetup. So message us. You can email speak at unsafespace.com and say you want details for tonight. And we're just going to get together and have snacks. Be fun. Cool. You were breaking up a little <laughs> bit, but what I gathered is there's a meetup in Spokane. And how do they contact you again if they want to do this? Speak at unsafespace.com. Okay. Speak at unsafespace.com. I don't know what there was just like a the e email address. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Oh, um, I know, I know where you have a little bit of trouble where you are. Uh, just as a reminder, everyone, we are banned uh, on YouTube for 14 days, which means I think it's been about a week. So we probably have about another week left before we're back on our main YouTube channel. However, we are on our broadcasting on our clips channel, which is uh, actually theoretically now monetized and might have super chats sometime soon. Um, and we are on Odyssey as always. So the best way to find us, however, and regardless of where we are, the best way to find us is at unsafespace.com slash live. We will always be there. Uh, and if you go to unsafespace.com slash live, you should be watching the stream right now and the chats there. Um, so there's no reason to go directly to, to YouTube to find us. <clears throat> In the meantime, since we don't have uh, super chats right now, you can go to Subscribestar and leave a tip with a comment and Beverly will out of band, give us that information and we will do it online. We, we call them star chats. So that's what we got. Uh, let's see. We're back on Twitter. Well, some kind of spirit of unsafe space is back on Twitter. Right. A spooky ghost of unsafe space is on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. Um, so you can follow us there if you want to. And if you want to support us financially, you can go to unsafespace.com and there's support button uh, all that kind of stuff. And finally, jab the subscribe button. Oh, we have super chats. Wow. Look at that. We thought this Ooh. was permanently banned. Carter resubmitted. I, yeah, cool. I resubmitted the thing. And then I literally 10 minutes ago, I just like asked to have super chats enabled and it said, it will take some time for us to review. Wow. Like, I'm going to give all one. Right. Uh, John Pag, I can never say his name. It's Filipino. John says super chats are working hell carry and carter marie busky says oh look how appropriate on labor day and oh and pirate tomsky just says super chats yay they're working woohoo won't eat it says woohoo that's pretty cool pirate tomsky when you win the award for the first super chat ever on this channel so wait, you know when you're under the thumb just constantly every once in a while you get like a little glimmer of you know, oh that's a surprising thing i didn't expect yeah so good Someone at YouTube doesn't hate us as much as other people at YouTube. Yay. Judson Pinson says, 
this isn't we oh, on Twitter. We're undead space. We're undead space. <laughs> we're it's it is still it's still spelled unsafe space with an underbar in front of it. But we are kind of undead on Twitter. Um, there's plausible deniability. We don't know who or what spirit from the netherworld. It's probably Queen Persephone that herself that has decided to log into Twitter and make an account for us. So, um, Mandy, by the way, says, I told you, you cannot keep the rubles from Russian bot carry. So <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Um, Hey, book club. Uh, because we tell people about, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go just, ahead. just because I'm out of town and my reception here is spotty. If it gets too distracting, just let me know. I can, you can go solo today. Um, but yes, book club is coming up. We are reading Neuromancer. Sunday, September 19th, we'll be discussing. So you still have time to read it. This is fiction this month. And, uh, and then the following month, if you want to get a head start, we're doing nonfiction in October. And that book is going to be Texit. Is that right? Yeah. Inspired by you. Um, because yeah. actually we were having a meeting. And for some reason you weren't there. I don't remember why. But someone said, Carrie's reading Texit right now. And we were like, then she'll like the selection. Done. That you know what else I'm easy. reading? I stopped in this cool little bookstore in Coeur d'Alene. I got the Anti-Federalist Papers. Oh, yeah. They're good. I've never read these. It's mm. so interesting. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, you. I'm, I'm just geeking out over them like they're brand new. <laughs> Yeah, no, I but, feel like that whenever I'm like, I learned about the French Revolution and, and like everyone's like, that was like a long time ago. That's not new. Like, it's new. It's new. Like, yeah, I totally get so it. I totally get it. For, for anybody who doesn't know about these, they, so the Federalist Papers, that's back when they, the, the founders of the country, a lot of the different founders, they were arguing for a federal government. They wanted to make a constitution, right? So they were publishing all these letters and essays in, in favor of having a federal government in newspapers. But there were also a lot of great thinkers like Patrick Henry, um, who were writing arguments against a federal government because they were afraid of, of, of uh, one strong, one united power that can become tyrannical, like we had just mm -hmm. overthrown in Britain. And so I, they laid out silly, a case against that's it. That's a silly worry. <laughs> Stupid founders. <laughs> <laughs> So it's so interesting. And they and they actually say um, there's one part here where I think it's both right. They're both right. You'll you'll like this. I'm just going to say one part of this, Carter. I know we're not reading this book this month, but I couldn't help it. We could read it so later if you want. Throw it in we, could all, we could read this later. It would be so fascinating. So, so this part, the Federalists, so after they had already passed the Constitution, right? So the Anti-Federalists won that or they did not win. They did not win. There was a constitution created. It was ratified. So the Federalists generally argued that a Bill of Rights was not needed because the Constitution only granted to the federal government the powers that it specifically enumerated. Okay, that makes sense. But the Anti-Federalists felt an explicit list of rights reserved to individuals was necessary to protect the freedoms they had fought for in the Revolution. Well, that makes sense, too. They both make sense to me. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the, the origin of the Bill of Rights is that argument. Yeah. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's interesting because you can read them going back and forth and it's, it's kind of, it's refreshing to see people arguing passionately two different sides of an issue 
and not calling each other morons or evil or you're just wrong. It's it's they are arguing these things to help one another get to a, a, a the, to get to truth to get to the best possible resolution, and that's so that's interesting. And then and then the other thing is that it made me think of when the time that you told me that any kind of universal health care is unconstitutional. And I said, why? And the, at right. first, at first you were kind of a jerk. And yeah, then later you, you were a jerk as if it should be self-evident. But I, I think, think it should of, be self-evident. Yes. But it's not. And a lot of people, it's not self-evident. And if you explain it to them, because then you came around and you explained it patiently mm-hmm. to me. And I think if you explain that patiently to people, what you said was what the Federalists were saying. You said right. if it's not enumerated as something the government can do, the, a power that the government has, if it's not in the Constitution, then it's not a power that the government has. And universal yeah. health care is not in the Constitution. So that was interesting. Yeah. You know what I like about that particular argument between the Federalists and Anti-Federalists is that they both agreed that those rights existed. Like they both agreed that you have, for example, that you have the right to free speech and the right to balance. Like they didn't disagree that you had like there wasn't like people should have this right or they shouldn't. They both agreed you have the right. It was just that it was a tactical decision. One side was like, well, if we enumerate the rights, people will assume that those are the only ones and we can't have that because you have lots more than just these. And the other side was like, well, but shouldn't we at least enumerate as examples that like here's some examples of rights that you have like and it's a fascinating argument because it's kind of like this i mean on the i saw someone in the chat just say the anti-federalists were right um i i kind of don't know like we don't actually know who was right if we hadn't if they hadn't been enumerated would we be forced to interpret the converse the would we have interpreted the converse the the constitution a little bit more strictly and said well anything that's not authorized is is prohibited or would we have like already violated those? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe we would have already violated some of them. Maybe maybe it was good to enumerate them. But it did cause the problem that the Federalists were worried about, where a lot of people are like, well, those are the 10. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> anything else is allowed. Right? And that's what they were worried about. Yes. It's yeah. so, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, it's like I said, it's refreshing to read people arguing passionately, but not resorting to all the cheap stuff that I see today of like, well, you're just evil. If you don't agree with me, you deserve to be, you know, you're one of the bad people. Right. Well, um, wait, before we do anything else, can I just, I want to shout out to, I know there are some, at least one member of the unsafe space community, possibly more who are affected by hurricane Ida thoughts are going out to you. I hope everything's going away. I don't want to name your name because I don't know if you want your name named. Um, but uh, I, I don't know if she wants her name named, but, oh, I wish I had it pulled it up, pulled up. I would read it. She, in the book club on Facebook, she posted and just said, she's so grateful for this community and that she met another unsafe space knitter, a uh, yarn person and, and has a safe place to stay during the hurricane. Oh, that's and, even someone different than who I was thinking about. So there's definitely a few people. Yeah. Okay. In our community, yeah. Well, uh, if you know anyone in the unsafe space community who is has been affected by Hurricane Ida, reach out to them. Part of being a community is being there for helping each other out when we hit hard times, as we all do. Yes. So uh, 
go show them that the government isn't necessary if you've got friends. <laughs> so if you have friends are a better. community. <laughs> yeah. Sweetbriar McCollum gives us 20 bucks and says, press on. Yes. Persist. Cool. She persisted. Carrie did. There she is. <laughs> We're pressing. Oh. Mandy says, isn't there another hurricane coming? I don't know, Mandy. Probably. It's hurricane season. But, um, yeah. All right. Can I? Uh, I'm going to try to not be a dick. Sorry, jerk. Sorry, I'm trying not to be a jerk about this one. Um, oh, real quick. Penumbra yeah. Syndicate gives a super chat and says that he had to explain to an actual lawyer the other day about the arguments made in the Federalist <laughs> and the Anti-Federalist papers. Like, he stated that you couldn't know the original intent. <laughs> <laughs> I, you couldn't know it if you didn't, if you couldn't read, you couldn't know the original intent. But fortunately, you can read and people did write their thoughts and their intents down. Um, and you can buy little books. One's called the Federalist Papers, and it's a collection of those arguments. And the other one carries holding in her hand, which is called the Anti-Federalist Papers. And there's a collection of their arguments. So it turns out you can't actually know their intent. Uh, lawyers are sometimes the worst, by the way. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I remember, so I graduated college in 96, 96. I graduated in college. And I remember all of the midwits who had no idea what to do their lives with their lives were like, I'm going to law school. And it was like, uh-oh, this, this is bad. Like, or, and, we, and now we have like a glut of lawyers who are kind of these midwit lawyers. Not who very are kind, smart. They think they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. They, they have inflated views of themselves and their expertise with respect to legal matters. Um, and of course, in their area of expertise, they probably do understand some nuances of, of law better than the average person. But they certainly don't study or understand any of the context of the founding of America. Certainly not the the... Uh, the philosophical arguments behind the Constitution, what the intent was, you know, their view of the Constitution is whatever the last Supreme Court ruling was. It's yeah, it's, it's, they're pretty horrible. They're, it's sort of like, a, like when you're talking about mid-witted, just slightly above average intelligence people becoming lawyers. It's just as concerning to me when I see sort of, I would say, mid, uh, uh, personality distorted people becoming psychologists <laughs> no, like, the, that's actually that was the that's the other group of people that i don't know if i mean maybe i'll just the engineers maybe we were just maybe we were dicks as mandy likes to say uh in chat maybe we're just jerks and we just like we looked down maybe engineers just look down on everyone because they're jerky engineers with no social skills i don't know but i remember we also were looking at like there was also a, a hell of a lot of people who didn't know what to do and decided to go get a degree in psychology and be therapists um, who clearly had no idea how to even organize their own lives. You know, they're falling apart and and decided to go be therapists. So That's a bit like uh, ideology yeah. when – I know you have something to get to, but just quickly, that's a bit that's like fine. ideology when people, instead of fixing themselves, they focus on fixing the world. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I, I can't even make my bed or uh, clean up my apartment. This is actually people I know like this who push social justice, but I feel like I should tell you how to run the world. No, that's what Jordan <laughs> Peterson was getting at. Like, no, you can't even, you haven't even demonstrated competence over your life. Do that first. Which, by the way, is not easy. It's not easy. It's I super mean, hard. If all you do before you die is demonstrate competence over your life, good job. That's super hard. That's why that's they don't a win. do it. 
It's so yeah. much easier to get a, a protest sign and go out on the street and tell people how to redo economic policy. That's so much easier. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By I regurgitating provenly yeah. failed uh, economic theories. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll quit interrupting you. Hmm. That's right. This is this is kind of a uh, it was a last minute thing that I might want to talk about because of something that happened in on the unsafe space discord. And this is a conversation I won't name this person. Um, the, and they're a supporter. They're like a financial supporter of us. So that you know, I'm not saying this, I'm not like trying to attack them. But they're bringing to mind, I think something that I they're making me want to talk about something a little bit more. And they were disappointed in I think disappointed was their words. Uh, uh, Disappointed in Friday's show when I talked about the McDonald's ice cream machine story because apparently I was treating it like silly ice cream, LOL, this is kind of stupid and we shouldn't be involved in it uh, on the federal government level or any government. Uh, and so they posted some, uh, you know, th this is a kind of a common thing that happens um, and I'm going to explain why I think it's pragmatism that causes this, but this is kind of a common thing that happens where People will say, well, yeah, yeah, I get your principles, but you don't understand the details of this particular story. There is some details that will undermine those principles. Like I just, I approach the McDonald's thing from a principle perspective, right? Initiation of the use of force, fraud, those are wrong. It's silly that my money, I don't go to McDonald's. I don't give a crap about their ice cream machine. I get some people do, but it's silly that my money is taken from me by force to support the FTC to go investigate ice cream machines at McDonald's. That's my perspective, right? It's principled. It's pretty easy. I don't. I don't have to investigate the nuances of what exactly is going on. But often, um, when when people don't understand that principles actually work, usually because they have the wrong principles or they've been told that principles don't work by people who have the wrong principles, uh, they think that there's like this. This pragmatism has to say, well, in this case, the principles don't. There's, there's different nuances here, blah blah blah. And now you have to know the details to really have an educated opinion. So they sent a YouTube video, and I watched the YouTube video. I was like, all right, you know, normally I would skip it, but this is a member of our community whom I respect and like, and so okay, fine. You want me to watch the? You, you know, you push back. You want me to watch the video? I watch the video. So I watched the video, and here's what I learned. Um, I can't believe I'm going to talk about McDonald's ice cream machines, but here we go. <laughs> uh, McDonald's, yeah, I know, Carrie, right? This is this is worse than economics. It's okay if there's some glossing over the eyes. McDonald's. Carrie loves McDonald's ice cream machines. So McDonald's ice cream machines, McDonald's is, is a as a corporation has franchises. So so you buy into a franchise. If you want to own a McDonald's, let's say you have some you have a couple hundred thousand dollars or or you're gonna borrow a couple hundred thousand dollars and you've got a good location in your in your town and you think a good fa fast food, this is a great spot for a fast food restaurant. You, you might um, franchise shop and you're like, okay, well, I could, you know, do McDonald's or I don't know if these other ones are franchises, but I'm guessing like Wendy's or Burger King or Dairy Queen or whatever. You look around at different franchise opportunities and and what you get when you purchase a franchise is you obviously get the right to their logo um, and to use their branding, but you also get a whole host of other things and you're contractually obligated to do a whole host of other things. You got to run the store in a certain way um, and follow certain procedures and use certain things and get the ingredients from McDonald's and behave like there's there's rules to running the store. And if you run the store well, theoretically, you make money. If you picked a good spot and you run the store well, and if you don't, you don't. Um, well, apparently McDonald's gets their ice cream machines from a company called Taylor. 
Taylor uses the C602 ice cream machine for McDonald's, and you are required to buy the Taylor C602 ice cream machine and stick it in your McDonald's if you're a franchisee. And what this video was about was all about how McDonald's is a shitty, shitty franchise partner, basically. Uh, McDonald's has, has an agreement with Taylor, and Taylor, so Taylor is a shitty supplier of ice cream machines because Taylor gets a bunch of money through services and their machines break quite a lot. And so they make a lot of money when people come to fix the machines. And McDonald's kind of forces you to go through Taylor to get the machines fixed because it doesn't come off of McDonald's bottom line. It comes out of your bottom line. So they forced you to use these machines that suck and they're forcing you to pay their third party partner, Taylor, in order for you to get your ice cream, mach ice cream machine running and there's been a whole bunch of efforts to try and fix this which McDonald's has thwarted either through incompetence uh, or through lethargy and kind of bureaucracy or through maliciousness, I don't know. But the point of all this was, hey, these are illegal bad business practices going on and there's something real and the government should step in. Uh, they're not illegal. It's not illegal to run a business incompetently in a way that your franchise owners don't like. It's not illegal to have them agree to things that suck for them. What it is is dumb. And the free market is already working because there are videos going around about how this is bad for consumers and bad for franchise owners. And I'll tell you what, if you don't think this affects someone's decision to purchase a franchise from McDonald's, you're wrong. Franchise owner, like people who were looking to purchase franchises, look about, they look at the partnerships. And if McDonald's has a reputation, for screwing you over, and ice cream sales are a big part of sales. If they have a reputation for screwing you over and making it difficult to make your business profitable, you might go with a different franchise. So in the long run, the free market works this crap out. McDonald's is being, again, either through intent or incompetence, McDonald's is sucking as a franchise owner. They're not doing anything illegal, at least not in that video and anything that I saw. They're not doing anything legal. They are, you signed up, you signed up for rules and you know, they're you're, they're forcing you to follow the rules and they're being kind of jerks about it. They're being dicks about it, right? And they're, they're not a good partner in this respect, but that's not illegal. It's not illegal to not be a good partner. And the free market works that out. So the idea that, oh, you don't understand nuance, therefore the government needs to get involved, is just false. The government still doesn't need to get involved. In fact, this is an, this investigative journalist guy who did the thing on YouTube all about this is a perfect reason why the government doesn't get involved. Private people got involved or why they don't need to. Private people got involved. They revealed the truth. I'm telling you right now, anyone with a couple hundred grand in their pocket thinking about starting a, a fast food chain is going to think twice about McDonald's having seen videos like that and having seen how they're treating their franchise owners. And they'll, they'll think about other stores and that will ultimately hurt McDonald's and ultimately they'll be pressured to change or they'll start losing market share. That's how the free market works. And there's lots of businesses, lots of old businesses who have perverse incentives and backwards kind of ways of doing things that need to be updated. They're trying to, they're playing protectionist games with their business. They're stupid. It will otherwise, it will fail in the long run, but it's kind of mean to do, but that's what they do. And that's how the free market works. You don't need big daddy government giving you your ice cream. And you certainly don't need me paying for you to have big daddy government investigate your ice cream machines. I am not passionate about ice cream, Wes. I'm G-Man, sorry. Uh, I'm not. I, you know what I'm passionate about? 
I'm passionate about um, I'm passionate about this idea because because this is this is how pragmatism screws up good ideas and screws up good philosophy. People with bad principles. Let's just talk economics for a moment. Marxist or neo-Marxist or pseudo-Marxist people with you know socialist ideas and Marxist principles. They try and implement them. They fail massively. And when they fail massively, their conclusion is that principles don't work. Therefore, we need to be pragmatic, grow up and be pragmatic. And the truth is principles don't work if they're crappy principles. But the principle that uh, of the free market should be allowed to function without interference from a third party, so long as there's not, you know, the initiation of the use of force or fraud, like that's not, that doesn't need to be nuanced. That's not that there's no, there's no, that does work. That principle works everywhere and always. And you can apply it. I'm just going to read a couple of super chats. Pirate Tomsky That's says, fine. if you have a milkshake and I have a milkshake and I have a straw, my straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it right up. <laughs> Do you remember that? You don't Why, know what that's that, from? I don't know what that is, but it sounds it's wrong. From, it's like some other level that I don't I drink know. your milkshake. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. In uh, what was that movie he was in? It's a really good movie. I drink your milkshake. I don't know what you're talking now. about. I okay. drink your milkshake. All right, yeah, it's a great film. G-Man says, oh, we already read that one. Uh, LPJ says, Carrie, amazing hat. Thank you for the super chat, LPJ. This is one of my, this, I got married in this hat. It looks bigger from this angle. People always think this is a big hat. It's not that big. It's just the angle of the camera. And Thomas St. Thomas, five bucks, says, I saw it as a brilliant example of why free market works. I get that we should not have government involvement. That's why I would share this story. Yeah, I agree with you, Thomas, right? It is, it's an example of why free markets work, not why we need the FTC to step in and investigate fucking ice cream machines and McDonald's. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> because I'll you're fight you naked. I'll fight you naked, says, gives us a super chat and says, did you get my package yet? I think it's been two weeks. I don't get the packages. Carter does. So, but that's going to change soon. I'm going to, we're going to have a Texas address soon. We'll let you guys know. I will check out and see if we got a package at the PO box, which I haven't been to in about two weeks. So maybe, sorry about that. Aubrey says, hi everyone. Hail the chat. Yes. Hail the chat. Uh, There will be blood. That's the name of that film. You haven't seen that? No. Is it it a good movie to watch? It's a very good movie. And okay. it's a good movie. And actually, Pirate Tomsky, I was thinking of that quote yesterday. I can't remember. We were joking about something. It was something I want to talk about on the show, and I forgot. But it, 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 if it comes to me later, I'll share it. Involving I'll drink your milkshake up. Oh, Joy Eaters. I was talking about Joy Eaters. <laughs> Whenever they see if you're having mm. fun, if there's something. Like recently, they've been, uh, they've been uh, talking about pumpkin spice lattes again because it's that time of year. And how pumpkin spice lattes are an example of your whiteness and your white privilege. And, you know, you shouldn't enjoy them. And I don't know. It's just a bunch of craziness. White supremacy, pumpkin spice lattes. But so we were saying, you know, is that, oh, is that a nice pumpkin latte you're enjoying? I drink it. I drink it right up. That's what joy eaters are like. They've got their straw going right into your latte. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Apparently I need to see this movie. Uh. I, I can, you know what, I know it's silly that I'm talking about the milkshake thing. I just. It's okay. 
It I, is important. It's important to understand that principles apply and to not get distracted with people who try and bog you down with, well, there's a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors and magic details that you need to know to understand why one plus one is not two. No, it's always two. It will always be two. There's no amount of smoke and mirrors and magic that means that the government should get involved between yeah. two parties doing something on their own without force involved. Like, I'm sorry, but there's no amount of smoke and mirrors. Don't get distracted by this. It wastes your time and it and it derails the principle of thinking that you need to be focusing on. That's all. Yes. It, 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 I do get passionate about it, but not. I don't, I'm not passionate about McDonald's shakes, which I don't even know okay. if, are they dairy? I don't even think they're We've dairy. We've talked about that, no. Yeah. So I, I wanna talk about something I'm passionate about. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's not milkshakes though. No, it's none of this. I, I appreciated your, you know, next time, I think it's just the details of what that person was trying to explain. You did get bogged down in them. We don't care about all those details because at the end of the day, you're right, Carter. It's like, well, should the government be involved because of all these details? No. They still right. shouldn't That's be involved. That's my point. Yeah. So I'm sorry my eyes glazed over, but I appreciate your point. It's okay. At least it wasn't economic. <laughs> it was something I, else that triggered the glaze. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, you know, our video that got us banned on our regular channel. If you're watching this, by the way, if you're watching it live, you're watching it on our Eclipse channel uh, because we're still in the, we, in the middle of a two-week ban a, a censorship on our main YouTube channel because we did a roundtable on employer vaccine mandates and we allowed people from our community just to come and tell the truth about their situation and the pressure that they're being put under the manipulation the coercion the termination that they're being subjected to the discrimination um, based on what should be a personal medical decision and since we had that video removed you can still find it on odyssey and we've had our two-week ban i've just heard more and more stories about it and it's just making me Somebody asked if I'm if I'm down lately a little bit. Yeah, I guess I am. I'm I'm coming out. I've been coming out of it, but but it's just people shouldn't be put in this situation. And I and I see I'm getting tagged in more stories like it on on uh, social media, and friends of mine. One's a professor. You know, they have a month to figure out if they're going to take it or not, if they want to keep their job. Another one's talking about their son. You know, has X amount of time, or they're going to lose their job. And so people are really, for the first time ever, a lot of people are being put in that position of, you know, we, we used to talk about this when it came to woke ideology. Do you sacrifice your job to stand on principle, like you're talking about, to stand on principle? And now it's interesting to see that most of the people are being uh, uh, more immediately put in that position of making that decision because of the COVID policies. And so... Mm. A lot of people are grappling with that right now. Is it, easy, is it better to stand on principle and quit my job and figure out how I'm going to support my family? Or do I need to just take this thing I don't want to take so that I can keep providing? And I just think it's awful. It's an awful time. It's an awful position to put people in. And I'm really discouraged by the majority of the population not standing up and saying anything about this. Vax vaccinated people, especially people who have already been vaccinated, should be the loudest speaking out for those who either don't want to take it or can't take it. There are people with medical, medical issues who cannot take this and they're being completely ignored. And there's others who have, like me, I just don't, I, 
I, I don't want to take something that I don't know if I need. I don't think I need it. I don't know what all the repercussions will be. We don't know. It's not long enough. We can't possibly know. And so it's just, it's just frustrating. I'm lucky in that, you know, you and I, we already made the decision because of woke ideology. We left our careers. So I'm in a position where I work a lot of gig jobs and just like with woke ideology, if I were to lose one because of a policy, a mandate or something, that's okay. I'll find one that doesn't have that mandate. But not everybody has that freedom. They're still in, you know, like lucrative careers or they're the sole breadwinner or they've built their whole career around this one industry and now the whole industry is mandating it. And what are they supposed to do? You know, one of the women we had on our roundtable, they have six kids. Her husband is the sole breadwinner. He's built his whole career in pharmaceuticals. And now most of the pharmaceutical industry is demanding it. So what does he do if he loses his job? Does he start over in another industry? And he has a medical condition. And they don't care. He has a blood platelet disorder. So I don't know. Just frustrated. I want to see more people standing up. I want to see more people who are vaccinated standing up and standing in, in solidarity and saying, these mandates are wrong. Yep. Well, I mean, I think I, I think um, I think I mentioned this. I think she mentioned this in my interview with her. But when I interviewed the um, was it Pink Flame of Liberty, mm. <laughs> uh, Karen Ann Harlos. Um, I don't remember if we said it in the interview, but we definitely said it when we were at Porkfest talking to each other. She was saying that, you know, she had a lot more hope for the future of America prior to seeing the reaction of people to the the COVID mandates. And once she saw how people reacted to the the lockdowns and mandates generally, she kind of became a little bit pessimistic, I guess, about the future of America as a whole. Um, yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And I, I get it. And it's sad. But, um, you know, it's amazing to me that even I mean, I mentioned this before, but it, I'll say it again, for those of you who missed, it's amazing to me that even in China, even China, the like, I probably one of the best examples of a giant authoritarian tax farm uh, <laughs> in modern history, right? Even China, is like, well, some people can't take it because there's medical conditions, so you can't mistreat those people. I mean, even China is like, wow. well, you can't do that. That like that's not fair because some people have medical conditions. And like, and also China says, we're not totally sure about you know pregnant women because there haven't been longitudinal studies. So, you know. <laughs> like China even says China this. is we're saying just, this. We're just because China clear. cares more about China their tax farmers that. than yeah. And China cares more about their tax uh, animals, their tax farm animals, than I guess uh, the West. But yeah, and you know, and obviously those things go against the WHO, or at least I don't know if the, I don't know what the WHO position is, but they go against the the mainstream narrative and certainly the CDC rules and the way that everything's been handled in the U.S., which is there is no valid reason at all to not uh, partake. And you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if there's valid reasons or not. Uh, but I mean, from a medical perspective, I, as a, from a philosophical perspective, there's always a valid reason, which is you don't want to, uh, but from a medical perspective, I don't know. Um, but yeah. it's amazing that you can't have these, 
these conversations even. Did you see JP Sears, his video about knifing? No. He has a really good video about uh, how the medical professional medical professionals are today. And it's a, it's great because he never mentions any of this stuff. He just talks about how knifing has been proven to have no ill side effects um, and everyone should get knifed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite interesting. <laughs> it's a good video. I recommend it. Um, no, I haven't. Um, just some updates of things that, and I saw people mentioning this in chat. Josh Slocum's video last night has been pulled oh. down from YouTube, like our uh, recent video. And he, it's his first warning. So welcome to the Unpersoning Disaffected Podcast. <laughs> welcome, Josh Slocum. <laughs> you can catch that episode. I haven't, I didn't get to see that one yet. So that one is up on Odyssey uh, as well. And yep. I think what's going to happen is just as, as people start to be unable, as they broaden the net of things that we can't talk about, just naturally over time, people will be doing more content on these other platforms and hopefully one will, will, you know, rise above. Uh, they have to, right? I mean, yeah. Brett Weinstein's already basically off of YouTube other than for marketing yeah. purposes, right? Yeah. 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 A couple of super chats. Mandy says, Carter, have the Snickers you rant about McDonald's when you're hungry. I'm not actually hungry and Snickers doesn't satisfy, but I appreciate the reference, Mandy. Um, Marby Dog says, did you see, by the way, someday Snickers Doesn't Satisfy will be considered against WHO uh, <laughs> guidelines, and we'll get banned for saying that. Uh, Marby Dog said, did you guys see Chuck Todd tell people not to move to Texas because of climate change yesterday? Desperation is a terrible cologne. I did uh, not see that, but I, I will, I stand by it. Please don't move to Texas because the climate change. I care changing. what Chuck Todd says. Don't don't move to Texas. Right. Well, exactly. And I, I, you know, as always, for wrong thinkers, you guys are going to come anyway, and I want you to come. But for people at, 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 you know, for the leftists, I've seen they've been doing these crazy memes lately. One is a, it says, welcome to Texas. And it's a picture of the main character from the Showtime version of The Handmaid's Tale. It's The Handmaid's Tale. And it says, welcome to Texas. And I'm like, great, push this out there. Keep going. Keep going. Because I don't want the people who would fall for this crap to be here anyway. We don't want you here. We do not want any more of you. And I've seen them all over the, the web and on Twitter talking about, you know, uh, there was some other meme they were sharing of women in, in, uh, in burqas in, I presume, I think it was Afghanistan, saying, have you heard how bad it is in Texas? That they thought that was a win, the leftist, this meme. And I'm like, great, okay, share stuff like that, fine. If you think it's that bad, because we also passed a few other things. They don't like the heartbeat bill. They don't like the op uh, open carry. Um, trying to do, trying to secure elections, the, the process of elections. So they don't like these things, and so they're trying to paint us as some backwards place. Wonderful. Please continue painting us as a backwards place. <laughs> Fine with it. Yeah, I, I'm all I'm all for it. In <laughs> fact, uh, I we don't even have to. You don't even have to uh, qualify. You can just say, "Do not move to Texas," because the right people will ignore we'll what come. you've just said yeah. and, and decide on their own. And yeah. all of the non-thinkers will be like, "Okay, I'm not going to move to Texas." Yeah. So uh, there's yeah. a menu item uh, here in Idaho. I'm at Priest Lake, 
uh, my husband's been doing some shows, so we got to stay here. And there's a menu item that's like, you know, poke bowl, and then right under it's stop moving here bowl. <laughs> that's the name of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> the stop moving here bowl. Um. All right. Do do you have anything in particular? I've got like a couple things I could talk about. But Are I'm they all as exciting as the ice cream machine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all at least as exciting as the. I mean, okay. I don't know if I could top the ice cream machine. Maybe with cherries. Okay. Uh, ah. Yeah. No, no. Okay. You go yeah. ahead. You've got the floor. I'm in vacation mode. I'm just here to bring you joy. At the end of the show. <laughs> um. Well, I don't know. I I want to get uh. Do you like you guys like the dad joke? Nice. Um. I want to get um. Today's Labor Day, right? So you're on you're in vacation mode, not because it's Labor Day, but because you're out and about. But um, today's Labor Day, and uh, Peter Schiff had a show today, which I didn't get to listen to all of it, but I I saw the title and I listened to it a little bit. I didn't have time, but um, he was proposing that we have Entrepreneur Day instead of Labor Day, uh, <laughs> and I just love the idea, and. I I know a lot of people are just like, oh, we get the day off, so they're celebrating and they don't care why they have the day off, which I get. Um, so Labor Day, you know, it started in the late 19th century in the U.S. and it it's pretty much it's pretty much a Marxist origin story, right? It's the Marxists who view labor as separate from capital and produ um, producers uh, uh, as, as you know, the, the intellectual arm, the management of production is separate from the masses of production. And the main reason, I, one of the main reasons for that is there's a lot more people who uh, are in the, like, the masses of the production, like do, doing the physical work. And so you get a lot more votes than if you say, hey, I really like the, the, the people who founded the company. Uh, no one wants to hear that because there's not as many of those people. Um, but I think it's important to, to just step back for a second and I, look, I'm, I guess you could say I'm biased because I spent 20 years as an entrepreneur, uh, basically not all of it, but like either at startups or being a founder myself, um, or advising founders or whatever. So I've been in the, the, the startup and entrepreneur world for a long time. And look, Regardless of your political system, reality is such that you do need to work in order to get things. Like, if you end up on a desert island by yourself, like, your McDonald's shakes don't get handed to you. You need to, like, go get fish and, and you know, you don't even get the fish sandwich by yourself. You got to go spear the fish and you got to you gotta work. And if you want uh, if you want a bun on the fish sandwich, you got to grow some wheat and, and mill it and invent an oven and do all this stuff. You got work to do. So surviving actually does take productive work. That's just, that's reality. That's called being in reality. Surviving takes productive work. And productive work is always noble. It's always, it's always noble to do something to, that's productive. Um, and that can be anything. That can be something that's, you know, inventing a cure to cancer, or it can be being a really good electrician. Like it doesn't, 
Amen. It's productive work, right? Um, so, so that's that's valuable and should be honored. But the split between labor and management is an artificial split that comes from socialism's attempt to um, get public support or garner populist support for authoritarian governments. And I, the thing that I think we don't value enough is is entrepreneurship because yeah jobs are hard working some jobs are really hard and it's really hard to to work them they people work long hours i get it like i i get it but if you've never started a business what you don't realize is when you work a job you know that you're going to go to work you're going to do your thing provided that you don't you know, get yourself in trouble or fail to do your, you know, provided that you don't get fired, do something, get yourself fired, or that the, you know, that the company downsizes, you go to work and you get paid. You go to work and you get paid. Whether the company's profitable or not, you don't really care in the short term. It doesn't matter. And if they go under, you move to a different company um, and you get a different job. So actually the anxiety of being productive in the world, you're outsourcing. You don't have to figure out how to be productive. Someone else has already figured out how for you to be productive, and they've told you how to do it. If you do these things, I consider you productive enough and I will pay you. The entrepreneur doesn't know if he'll ever get paid. In fact, the entrepreneur risks losing everything he already has to do this. They don't get, entrepreneurs don't get Labor Day off. You know, my wife and I looked at each other this morning, she's like, is it, is it like Labor Day or something? And like, yeah, she's like, do people have it off? And we were like, I was like, I, I guess. And like, we looked at each other like it was this funny thing, because we've both been entrepreneurs are on most of our careers. And the idea that you would have a day off because it was a government holiday is just ridiculous. Um, neither one of us have the day off. <laughs> uh, of course, we don't have the day off. We don't have Sunday off. We don't have time off. I mean, you know, to be healthy individual, you need to carve out some time. I'm not saying never carve out time and be a workaholic, but being an entrepreneur is a huge, huge risk. And it's a very complex problem. It involves, uh, often it involves solving technical problems, solving personal problems, like problems with people, like psychological problems, uh, financial issues, like the, the, the number legal issues, the number of things that have to come together for a business to be successful. And something like nine out of 10 startups fail, right? It's not uncommon for you to like go bankrupt and get divorced because you started a company. That's kind of the norm, right? If you start a company, expect it to go bankrupt and get divorced. Like those are the things that happen. Um, it's an incredible risk. And the people who do it well should be honored and thanked because they're the people who are taking the, the productive value that the rest of us add and figuring out a way to make it even more productive. Um, then figuring out a way, so instead of a hoe, someone invents a combine or whatever, instead of like, they invent they invent things, they they finance them, they test them, they get them working, they get a team together to do this, they they put up the money or they raise the money and uh, and are personally often liable for it. They, 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 they do a lot of effort to get this out so that you can go to work and be much more productive than, a, than someone from 200 years ago who was just not as productive, not because they weren't as smart or as hardworking as, as we are. They were probably much more hardworking and in many cases smarter, right? But they weren't as productive and they weren't as productive because they didn't have all these tools of production. And these tools of production, unlike what the Marxists 
they, you know, and the Marxists act like the means of production are these things that just exist in reality and they need to be seized. The means of production are produced and they're produced by people who spend a lot of time and energy and intellectual labor and sometimes actual labor, like, you know, physical labor, but they spend a lot of time, risk, energy, and intellectual labor figuring out a way to make the, you more productive. And granted, they're doing it because they want to get rich. Fine. Why do you work? Because you want to get paid. Like, yeah, of course they're doing it because they want to make money. But more often than not, they don't make money. And they're the ones taking the risk. They don't, they don't you know, as an entrepreneur, if you can't make payroll, that's on you. You're the last person to get paid. The last person. In fact, often you end up pumping your own money into a business just to get other people paid to keep it going. And I don't think that is, thank you, Jason in chat says entrepreneurs are prime movers. Yeah, in Randian terminology, entrepreneurs are prime movers. And I don't think that gets honored enough. If we wanna have a day honoring the, <laughs> the productivity and standard of living and and success that we have economically as a country it's the entrepreneurs that should be lauded but they won't be because they're not a huge voting block they're vilified by people who are envious and jealous of the few that they see that are successful they all ignore people tend to ignore the ones that you know go bankrupt and get divorced because they don't make the newspaper so they just see the ones that get to be billionaires and private jets and they think being an entrepreneur is easy and those jerk those dicks those you know, exploiters, it's exploiting my labor. Um, they're doing they're doing work for you, and they're making you more productive. And look, I know that there's uh, sometimes there's <laughs> yeah, sometimes when they get productive, especially in this mixed economy, they can get in bed with government. And I'm not saying that's good, and I'm not saying that that is productive behavior, right? So certainly there are elements of that kind of government grift and yeah, and that kind of thing that happened. But in general, um, entrepreneurs should be entrepreneurs should be celebrated and entrepreneurship should be celebrated. And if we were a real like if we were a country that really cared about individualism and and capitalism in the way that sometimes people act like we do, we would be celebrating entrepreneurship, not labors, not labor unions. By by the way, Labor Day is mostly labor unions, right? It's labor unions. Um, that we would celebrate entrepreneurship. We, that's what we would celebrate, and that's, I think that's what we should celebrate. So, uh, that's what I want to celebrate today. I want to celebrate the entrepreneurs, the people who invented shit. You know, Peter Schiff has. If you want to go listen to his episode, he talks all about Henry Ford and Henry Ford's. Um, rise and and the value that henry ford provided to everyone around him uh he's kind of a classic example but those people are around us all the time and they're usually working every waking hour <laughs> they're they rarely get vacations um they're highly dedicated and most of the time they lose everything most of the time they fail so I think there's something noble in that, that if we really want to be, if we want to capture the spirit of America, it's that rugged individualism that is, is personified by entrepreneurs. I would just like, I sent you an image you can put up. Me or Beverly? Both of you. One, one of you can put it up. 
Beverly can put it up. She's the image. Queen. Beverly. And as this is coming up, I'll read a super chat by Douglas Chandler, who gives us 10 okay. lire. Pounds. I think. <laughs> pounds. Pounds, pounds. It looks like an L. It is an L. LB, pounds. I remember yeah. a teacher from college Your saying special that the purpose today. of education is to make you certain. Hey, hey, I remember it. Wait, let me finish this. I remember a teacher from college stating that the purpose of education is to make you un... Thank you, Douglas. Um, yeah, this is the your special today plate. I just wanted to bring it up for you, Carter, because you are I, an so, entrepreneur. So the, this is I the know. thing that I don't want people... I know, no, but actually I'm bothered by it and I'm not a man upset at you, but like, Aww. I'm not saying this because oh, okay. I want recognition. I don't give a shit about recognition. I don't care. Like, I've failed as an entrepreneur miserably several times and I've had some success, but like... You know, unsafe space, it's up in the air what the fuck that will end up being. But it's I want you to appreciate the coffee shops that start and the people who start little software companies and the people who like invent some little thing and like all the people around you that are going out like and these people that are going to quit their jobs because they were going to stand on principle and have to start a new thing on their yes. own because they don't want to get the jab or whatever. Those people are going to have to enter into the world of entrepreneurship. And that is a big, scary, uh, noble thing to do. And those are the people I want to be celebrated. I don't need, I don't need I specialness crap. I agree. Okay. However, you made me think of that plate and I still would like to say, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember those plates? No, I don't. Have Did you ever have one in your house? It. You need one. Uh -uh. You need to get one of those. You bring it out for birthdays. You bring it out for entrepreneur day. I, I've never seen it. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, well, what you're saying, it's kind of reminded me of what I was reading in the Anti-Federalist Papers, where one of the questions they're having at the very beginning of the book, they're doing a whole section on the qualifications for suffrage. And they're basically including all these different arguments that diff the founders uh, were having over who should be able to vote and they were saying well some of the states have already decided that within their state everyone can vote and other states have decided that within their state only landowners can vote and so they were having this idea or well i should say that everyone can vote except for slaves because they basically should it be should the vote be limited to landowners or not and so they were giving arguments for both sides of it and one of the things they were talking about is if you don't they were not just landowner uh landowners but property owners any type of property they started talking about what about property and right now they were saying own own property but at some point far in the future most of the people may not own property and at that point are they just tools for the elite landowners do their votes then become and so it was this mm -hmm. sort of idea about like the people who work for others, you know, if they don't have a stake, if they're not allowed to own anything, is their vote for the greater good? Or, you know, I don't, that's probably not a good argument. That's not a good way to illustrate it. But they were saying, should, should, is it a good thing for them to have the vote or will their votes be used? And I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. I think at the end, they chose to do the right thing, which is that everybody gets to vote. And, but I understand what they're saying about if you don't have any skin in the game, if you don't have any 
thing that you own, any property. And then I started thinking about, and bear with me, because <laughs> I'm just kind of jumping around here, but I started thinking about what's happened in the past year and how there's this push with everything that the government has done, all of the government you know, reactions to COVID have, have ended up punishing landowners, property owners, and pushing us more towards a renter class. And I've re-familiarized myself with some of the stuff from the World Econo Economic Forum and how in 2016, you know, they came out with all these essays and they came out with all of this propaganda saying in the year 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And that's really the course that they have us on. They have us on this sort of this course to become rootless, renter class, as you called it, tax, tax farm animals. Tax farm, tax animals. Yep. Tax right. Animals. Who, who vote for the people who will give us the most goodies, I guess. Oh, well, this, these people are going to give us goodies. So let's vote for them. And everything we have is dependent upon them. So because we don't own anything. Right. And mm -hmm. I don't know. That's where my brain was at this weekend. Just reading some of yeah. this stuff. And reading about, you know, what we've but, talked about before is a lot of homeowners are selling to BlackRock, to these big corporations. And I don't know. I was looking up statistics. Did you know that for millennials, for like the age 34 and younger, that less than a third of them own property? I didn't. I didn't know. It's that. crazy. Um, I mean, you're reminding me of, uh, I did hear this much into the Peter Schiff show, uh, he quoted Grover Cleveland, who said, um, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, the people should support the government, the government shouldn't support the people. And it sounds kind of weird, but like, in the context, it made a lot of sense. And, and Grover Cleveland was he was, uh, he was vetoing a proposal to get seeds to farmers who had suffered some tragedy. And his concern was, well, we don't want people thinking of the government as something that supports them. Like, we want the rugged individualist spirit, like the government's not here to be paternalistic and support them. And that was his concern. Right. Um, I'm not convinced right. that universal suffrage was a good idea at all. Of course, I think slavery was horrible. Um, and slavery was a government enforced institution and, and immoral. And you can you can <laughs> blame governments for enforcing slavery. But uh, I don't, you know, s slavery, so let's put the slavery issue aside, because obviously that's immoral and horrible. But the idea that there should be universal suffrage, it doesn't, I don't see it coming from any place philosophically, like, I don't see great philosophical arguments for it, right? Uh, if you were going to, granted, I'm not into government generally, but if you're going to, if your goal is to have a government that supports individual rights, you have to ask what's the best way to ensure that the government doesn't become, you know, two lambs and a, or two, two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for dinner. How do you ensure that individual rights last? And I think you, it immediately opens up the question of like, well, Clearly, people just can't get to vote for whatever they want. There clearly need to be limitations on what they can vote for. And that begs the question like, well, are there conflicts of interest? Are there limitations maybe on people who should vote? I've mentioned before, like people who make money from the government shouldn't be able to vote, right? It's a conflict of interest. Um, and so 
I I think the question about and and I get the idea of property owners or poll taxes. Like, granted, again, poll taxes were used to to lock certain classes out of voting uh, in a reprehensible way uh, in the Jim Crow era. So I'm not suggesting that, but the idea of having some skin in the game and making sure that the people who vote have an incentive to respect the individual rights of everyone around them. And I'm not exactly sure how to do that. I'm not saying I know the answer because um, ultimately I don't, I'm not sure that uh, <laughs> limited government actually works or stays limited ever. But those are valid questions that I don't think should be thrown away. And I'm not, I don't think there's evidence to suggest that universal suffrage was a good idea. Like, I don't, I don't know that it worked. It certainly didn't, like, look at, I mean, and by the way, when you're talking about only men, they weren't, they didn't allow women to vote. Oh, right. They didn't allow women to right. vote until much, much later. And, you know, things haven't gotten better since then. Like, I, and again, not blaming women, and I'm not blaming people who voted 200 years ago either. The point is, like, universal suffrage isn't an answer to your problems. It doesn't solve things. I think, I think it's very interesting arguments, though. I've, we should definitely do this for book club at some point because they even have Ben Franklin in here. Ben Franklin, of course, was arguing on behalf of allowing of universal suffrage. Everyone should vote. And they were trying to say, well, if you uh, – they were talking about how maybe they should have lim- – this, this blew my mind. I didn't know they had discussions about this. They were trying to say what should be the qualifications for representatives. So if you're elected to be a senator or you know a, a congressman – should you have should you have to have a certain amount of money and they were like they were saying maybe you should because then you wouldn't be beholden because you would be independently wealthy which made me think of trump and the arguments that conservatives are making about trump which is that he's not going to take a salary he's independently wealthy he's not doing this for wealth right and so right. but then benjamin franklin said some of the worst rogues i've ever known have been rich wealthy rogues <laughs> you know? right, right. <laughs> Right. So, and keep in mind, senators at the point. time were not elected. The senators were, weren't elected at all at the time, right? Only congressmen were elected. Senators were appointed by the state yeah. legislators. Um, yeah. So, some of the great, another, said, so that was another amendment later, right? He said some of the greatest rogues he was ever acquainted with were the richest rogues. <laughs> anyway, it's a good read. Yeah. No, I mean, and... <sighs> I don't have a good answer for it, but I do I do think that we too often make these blanket statements like, oh, well, this was a good idea. It's like, I don't know. Look where we are. Was it a great idea? Like elements of it were, were better than other stuff. Sure. But teasing out which elements those were, I think, takes a little bit of I, work. And, I think also you know, people aren't used to nuance it. If I say something like, which I've said is probably my most controversial opinion or new opinion of mine is that. I believe in universal suffrage. I th- suffrage, I think, is the right thing to do. I believe women should have, we should have been al- allowed the right to vote. Um, I think it's the moral and ethical thing to do. At the same time, I think women voting as a net has maybe made things a little bit worse. <laughs> That's yeah. probably controversial. Well, I mean, but no, I, I, don't, I still but think I, we but should be allowed made... to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think women sometimes are. What happens is that our empathy, our natural, we're a little, we're a little bit more, uh, have that sort of caretaker um, thing in, in us. This natural, you know, need to take biological need to take care of children and shelter children and that mama bear thing. And I think that has been that has been weaponized and used to push 
some of these very bad ideologies. They've yeah. turned our own empathy against us. I completely agree. The the only, yeah, and I they basically say, agree. if you care, if you care about this, and if you care about these people, then you will vote this way, you know? Right. I, I completely so. agree. My only caveat is, like, when I say, like, okay, I don't want to blame, like, I completely agree with that women as a voting block are, in general, uh, could fall prey to that. I, I also don't know, like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure universal suffrage for guys is great either. Like, it's not, yeah. maybe we would be out conquering and having a bunch of wars that we don't need. Like, I don't know. I don't really know. I, yeah. I do I do think that it's worth questioning where the idea from universal suffrage comes from. Because the only arguments I ever hear are this weird fairness thing. Like, well, it's fair that I have a say. It's like, well... Actually, it's not fair that you have a say in anything that I do with someone else privately. But where so where does that come from? Is it fair that you can vote to take stuff from me? Nope. Well, so where does the fairness come from? Well, what they're saying in here is that you the arguments on behalf of it, of course, are that if I'm going to be governed over by someone, I should have a say in who I'm being governed over. Right, like, but the fallacy there is that you actually have a say. You don't actually, like, I don't have a say. Like, what does having a say mean? I say I don't want this, and you all vote for it. I still have to, like, I still have to do it. What's, what is my say worth? It doesn't, effectively, I have no say, provided that we're in a world in which the majority rules and that other people can vote away my rights. I don't, I don't need a say, actually. I need my rights. I don't care if I can vote so long as I have my rights. <laughs> Like, if if the government recognizes my rights, I don't need to vote for a goddamn thing. I don't care. I might, I guess, if there was some stuff going on. But, like, that's that's secondary to having my rights protected. And so, I like, the idea that I get, like, I think having a say is an excuse that's used to cover up some really horrific rights-violating laws, right? And it's like, well, you had a say. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry, you had a say, but we decided to, you know, you know, we voted to take your stuff and murder you. But yeah, you got the vote. Like, mm. that's not, that's, well, that's, also that's not the, a consolation prize. That's what they're concerned with in the Anti-Federalist Papers is how do you protect the minority from the majority? Right. right. And every, and they also are acknowledging that whoever the, the minority is will change over time. Like right now they were saying, you know, landowners are the majority, but one day they'll be the minority. They were sort of going through these different scenarios of no matter who the minority is, how do you protect the minority from the minority? Um, right. Right. And, you know, you get Black Rocks who become landowners, and that's like, well, no, no, no one else votes because they, a bunch of stuff happens that the government's involved in that pushes property into the hands of a few people, and then they are the only ones that can vote. And, like, you can totally see that going awry as well, right? Yeah. I'm going to pull something up I want to read. If you want to do, Maurice gave us a super chat. And uh, where is it? Marie Busky. Oh, hello. Busky? Yeah. Hey, Marie, do you want to read it? Or do you want me no, to? No, you do it. I'm pulling something up. Oh, hey, Marie, the government should, she says that the government should never be the answer for the responsibility of self. Self responsibility is hard, it's a muscle. It gets stronger the more you work with it, the more you work it. Yeah. I agree, Marie, and the converse, it gets weaker the less you do it, and uh, 
yeah, we're in a pretty weak state right now. Uh, I don't, I don't think we read this one from Johnny Boy Quick Draw, uh, who says what they want is neo feudalism. It dovetails with all their pet projects. Climate change and strict passports are conducive to no travel. Work hard. Give what you create to an all-knowing government. Absolutely, that's that's a great. Uh, that's a great summer, uh, summary of the Great Reset a little bit. Uh, I'll Fight You Naked says, uh, gives us 10 bucks. Thank you, I'll Fight You Naked. And says, over the past year, every Carter rant has gets me closer to free market economics. <laughs> Each time I think, I don't know about that. But by the end, I think um, no holes that I can see, at least. Well, I hope that you keep keep moving to free market economics. I'm not a free market economist because I'm like, I, like I'm not. It's just a moral position. Like I, I, hap, I think it happens to work out for people in the long run better, also. But it's just a moral position. You know, if I want to interact with business with you, no third party has a right to tell me what I can and can't do. As long as we're, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not being fraudulent, if I'm not initiating the use of force, which actually does include deceit, like it does include uh, misrepresentation of reality. Um, then like which is theft right if i'm not doing those things like i don't it's really hard to make a moral argument and i think impossible actually to make a moral argument for why anyone else should have a say in that transaction so so i sent you guys a news article can can one of you put this on the screen i just want to read from this so this is from june uh, it's mm -hmm. from daily veracity the headline is, corporations like BlackRock are buying up thousands of houses, pricing Americans out of the market. And I just wanted to read some of this to you because, uh, like I said, this is where my head was at this weekend. And I think it's loosely related to what you're talking about, individualism, Looks like it. property owners, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. So it says, according to a recent report in the Wall Street Journal, roughly 200 investment firms are buying tens of thousands of homes and sometimes entire or neighborhoods raising prices and competing with middle-class Americans looking to take advantage of low interest rates and buy their first home. Just an entire subdivision in Conroe, Texas built 124 houses and then put the entire neighborhood on the block. The winning bid for $32 million came from Fundrise LLC, an online real estate investing platform that lets you invest in commercial real estate through real estate investment trusts. A combination of investors swooping up single-family houses to rent or flip or flip some of the lowest interest rates in history and a housing shortage has caused home prices to surge, pricing normal people out of being able to purchase a home. Over the past several months, investors have made up around 25% of home purchases. Home prices rose double digits in 2020 and are expected to climb another 12% in 2021. The bubble is reminiscent of 2004 and 2005 prior to the housing crash. Although this bubble is a bit different, after the 2008 financial crisis, investors snapped up tens of thousands of foreclosed homes and rented them out. After testing his plan out on three different houses in three different markets, billionaire B. Wayne Hughes dispatched deputies to buy tens of thousands more across the U.S. Hughes' company, American Homes for Rent, now owns about 53,000 suburban houses in 22 states and collects about a billion in annual rent from tenants. His plan paid off big. While millions of Americans were underwater, owing more on their mortgages than their homes were worth, investors accounted for about a third of sales in many markets. 
Okay, so it goes on a little bit talking about 2008, um, 2012. Uh, in 2012, the federal government launched a program that allowed corporations to easily purchase foreclosed homes by the thousands from Fannie Mae. The corporations then rented out the homes, creating more housing in the areas heavily hit by foreclosures. Uh, between 2011 and 2017, some of the world's largest hedge funds spent billions of dollars on almost a quarter of a million homes. In parts of Atlanta, listen to this, in parts of Atlanta, they bought almost 90% of the 7,500 homes sold between January 2011 and June 2012. Wall Street became the new landlord. Um, now scroll on down to where, <clears throat> where we're at right now. Corporations are banking on a new housing bust as well. Currently, over 11 million families are behind on their rent or mortgage payments. 2.1 million families are behind at least three months on mortgage payments, while 8.8 million are behind on rent. Homeowners alone are estimated to owe almost 90 billion in missed payments. The last time this many families were behind on their mortgages was during the Great Recession. By the way, you guys put me in that group, late on the mortgage. June 30th, which is three weeks from Wednesday, the current nationwide, now again, this article's from June, the current nationwide eviction foreclosure moratorium will expire. And we all know what happened. They continued, the CDC, Biden's CDC, continued the eviction moratorium. Not the foreclosure one, the eviction one. Um, so then this part here, uh, let's see. I'm sorry, I'm scrolling down just a little bit. I'm scrolling way down below the, the Ben Shapiro stuff, Beverly. Okay, listen to this. During the lockdowns, which we now know had no link to reduce mortality, billionaires became $10 trillion richer, which the poor, while the poor and the middle class were decimated, over 60% of all small businesses were closed forever, shoved further into the cul-de-sac of labor. Just as the World Economic Forum correctly predicted, the pandemic, as well as the cyber attacks, the great reset to our economy was accurately predicted as well. A true reset to the American economy is in fact underway, and by the end of it, Americans will own less than they ever have before. And then they go on to talk about the Davos 2021 mm -hmm. World Economic Forum, et cetera. We don't have to read all that, but this is just kind of like, it, is it not obvious, do you think, Carter, to people that there, there's something weird going on here where they can tell us, they can come right out and say in 2016, this is what we're doing or what we think would be good is that we move to a society where none of you little peons get to own anything. And we're going to make sure you're happy about that. <laughs> but we're going to move to that and so they can come right out and say it, but then if you say this is what's going on, the majority of the people who are asleep will just say that's a conspiracy theory, even though it's right out there in the open. And it's what's happening. We can see it's what's happening. We can see that people are losing their homes and that big corporations like BlackRock are buying them up. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, if you want to learn more about the Great Reset stuff, you can, we have a series on Unsafe Space called The Great Reset that Ian K runs, aka Comics Division. Uh, talks about the Great Reset, and he's talked about this stuff in particular. Um, you know, one of the frustrating. So yes, I agree. It is it is weird that like people will be like, "Oh, that's a conspiracy." Um, but 
that is commensurate with how people have behaved to lockdowns and mask mandates and everything else. So I guess, I guess it shouldn't surprise us, but yeah. Um, and the thing that I, you know, it's weird. You read these articles and, and I, I think the frustrating, one of the frustrating things for me is there's going to be a lot of pushback from people about this BlackRock thing. And they're, the answer that they're going to want is the government involvement. They're going to be like, the government needs to stop X, Y, and Z from happening. Blah, 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 blah. All of these problems are because the government stepped in. Stop asking. Like, yes. The answer is the government needs to stop doing the things that gave BlackRock this opportunity. Like, that's what the government needs to do. Stop chasing. It's like... I, I really don't know. I think it was Albert Einstein that said uh, the definition of of uh, idiocy or some, I think it's idiocy. Insanity. Is trying the same, insanity, it's trying insanity. the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I mean, that's what we are as a society. We are insane with respect to the government. We The government gets involved. They cause a problem. We we react to the problem with outrage and demand that the government gets involved in more. And it's, and and like, I kind of don't know what to say to a population of people that that's their response. It's like I'm not. I'm just talking to insane people. It, like you're just insane if that's what your response is. Step back and look at what caused these. Like why are we here? It's not free market capitalism that caused BlackRock to be able to buy up all these homes. It has nothing to do with free market capitalism. It has nothing to do with it. It is 100% government involvement from lockdowns to special banking regulations to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Like it is mad. It's got government's fingerprints all over it. The only way that you would look at this and say we need more government is if you are just absolutely blind to reality and 100% in some ideological 3D illusion where you're like, ah, oh, this is, this is the, I'm, I'm in the cathedral's, you know, fun house. I'm, I'm in a VR box run by the cathedral where like, they're just putting images in front of me. And like, that's what I'm seeing. Take the glasses off and look around. This has nothing to do with free people doing things on their own voluntarily. This is all government involvement, all of it. Yeah. I just want to drive this home, and I know Beverly said Ian has, uh, Comics Division has used this article in our Great Reset, his mm. Great Reset series before, so I definitely recommend you go check that out. I'm not going to cover it in any depth like he did. I just want to read this. If you guys have not read it, this, have you read this one, Carter? Forbes, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. <laughs> I missed this one, but... I love it. I love that it's contributed by the World Economic Forum directly. Yes. They don't even have to have, like, they don't have to pretend that it's someone else. Like, yep, this yep. is what we're doing. We, we wrote it. We wrote it from Forbes, the World Economic Forum contributor. Uh, November. This was published on November 10th, 2016. Again, this is them telling us. Oh, then it says by Ida Aukin. Okay. Now scrolling down. This is serious, guys. This is not parody. This is what they believe the future is going to be and that this is, they believe this is, this is the how we will react to the future. This is not the B. Okay. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. 
We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. By the way, can we just pause for a second? This is like if someone wanted to write a dystopia where you take the tragedy of the commons to the extreme, you would end up with this. Where like, it's not my underwear. It's common underwear, and we all take care of it. But I just rented it. Like, wow, that is that's pretty horrible. Like, I, the tragedy of the commons applied to everything. Everything is that. It's like, wow, that is... That's a sick movie. I don't want it's to watch. It's not my end. It's not. <laughs> it's not my underwear. It's our underwear, and it's free. Okay. <laughs> okay. For <laughs> underwear as a service. There you go. Okay. <laughs> first, communication became digitized and free to everyone. Like Facebook, it's so free, isn't it? Free and YouTube, so free. Yeah. No one owns it. <laughs> it's free to everyone. <laughs> what you know? Why? <laughs> You know what? Because you're the we're we're all the products. <laughs> okay, it yeah. became free to everyone. Then when clean clean, then when clean uh, energy became could free, write. things started to move. <laughs> then when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could all we could call a we started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than the car. Now, okay, by the way, pause here for a second. Think about what Biden just did. They're instituting a new tax per vehicle, per mile, per mile. It's a tax on people who own cars. Every mile that you drive, they're gonna tax it. Because you own a car, and they don't want you to own a car, okay? Can, also, can, can I, I – I just want to make a, a, a point here. It's perfectly believable and actually does happen that the free market by itself ends up in places where you don't own things. And I'm going to mention Uber. Uber, a lot of people in the Bay Area, because of Uber, sold their cars. The government was heavily involved in the taxi industry as a result, and medallions were regulated. As a result, it was impossible and shitty. It was a horrible experience to get a taxi. Uber came along, regardless of what you think of Uber, Uber came along. They said, you know what? We're going to ignore the legislature. We're going to ignore the rules and we're just going to do it. And I guess we'll get sued later and hope hopefully it works out. Uh, and they did. And I know it's popular to hate on Uber, but frankly, they transformed in this way, in a free market way, they transformed many city centers by people just didn't need cars anymore. They would just take an Uber. That's a free market thing that could happen. It might be good that you're in a city and you don't need a car anymore. That might happen. It doesn't mean you don't have the option to own a car. It just means the free market provided something that will let you not own a car. Now, let's take – so if they care about this, you'd think they would – applaud uber but instead what has the government done they have at every turn tried to thwart uber's business model they've tried to saddle them by make, like you have to have people employees you have to follow these rules you got to change this you can't do that blah 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 yeah. we some cities have banned uber they have gone out of their way to crush the free market solution that gave them exactly this with respect to cars yes it's not about any of this it is about power and control and they didn't want 
to not have that power themselves. They need to crush Uber so that Uber didn't have the power that they wanted later on. Yep. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Fine. I'm going to continue. Okay. <clears throat> it made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than the car. Now I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion and traffic jams, not to mention the air pollution from combustion engines. What were we thinking? Sometimes I use my bike, my bike. You get a bike? Is it not our bike? Sometimes what I do you mean your bike? bike when I go. Uh -oh. yeah, I think right. that, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. Yeah. Sometimes I use my bike when I go see some of my friends. I enjoy the exercise and the ride. It, get, it kind of gets the soul to come along on the journey. Oh, they're trying to bring the soul into this. Funny how some things mm. seem, uh, never seem to lose their excitement. Walking, biking, cooking, drawing, and growing plants. It makes perfect sense and reminds us of how our culture emerged out of a close relationship with nature. In our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we do not need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I am not there. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> or brothels. Sorry. I, I don't know because I, I don't, don't have any control over my living room. Who the fuck knows what it's used for while I'm not there? <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, looks like there was a chicken sacrifice. It's not oh, my well. living room. It's not my bedroom. <laughs> I don't know what happens when I... <laughs> yeah. It's not my husband. Hey, someone also. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing when he's not home with me. I just rent him. <laughs> it's like the uh, All right, go ahead, somebody Gary. should read do Goldilocks in the three. Somebody's been sleeping in our bed. Don't worry, baby bear. It's our sitting <laughs> in my our chair. Okay. Uh, <laughs> once in a while, I will choose to cook for myself. It is easy. The necessary kitchen equipment is delivered at my door within minutes. Since transport became free, we stopped having all those things stuffed into our home. Why keep a pasta maker and a crepe cooker crammed into our cupboards? We can just order them when we need them. And you got to rely on people to bring them to you. Okay, get you understand what where this is, what future this is. Oh, it's just awful. Also, okay. also by the way, just like so stupid. Some of it. It's like, yeah, I have a kitchen aid. Are you gonna like? You're telling me that the economical thing to do is have someone bike around holding a fucking twenty five pound <laughs> kitchen aid whenever I need to make cookies? You got to be kidding me. Yes, uh, <laughs> I would. Yes, hello. Is it the government? Hi, this is Carrie. Could you please deliver some cutting, a cutting board and some knives? I would like to make. Hey, I'm being I attacked. Like I need my firearm. <laughs> can you show up? Can you bring my gun? Because I need a. I'm in the middle of being killed, and I just need a courier to stop by with my rifle. I also shat our underwear. Can you bring me some new underwear? <laughs> yeah. Our underwear is going to need a good washing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this also made the breakthrough of the circular economy easier. When products are turned into services, no one has an interest in things with a short lifespan. Everything is designed for durability, repairability. 
sustainability and recyclability. The materials are flowing more quickly in our economy and won't seem far away since we only use clean energy and clean production methods. The air is clean, the water is clean, and nobody would dare to touch the protected areas of nature because they constitute such a value to our well-being. In the cities, we have plenty <laughs> have you of been green in a park? Space. No one would <laughs> dare touch nature because it's our well-being, really? Go to a freaking shared space park. Go to any park in any major city that is, is common space and tell me that no one would dare touch it because they value it so much. My God. I'm sorry. This is just the stupidity here is amazing. It has to be a parody. I feel like this has to be a parody. Hey, go to what was that? What was that shared space that they set up in? What was that? They created in where oh, everybody Chaz? was living, and they declared it their own space. <laughs> Nobody would Chaz? dare violate any, you know. And look <laughs> at Chaz. <laughs> mm, uh, great. <clears throat> in the cities, we have plenty of green space and plants and trees all over. I still do not understand why in the past we filled all free spots in the city with concrete. Shopping? I can't really remember what that is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Sometimes I find this fun, and sometimes I just want the algorithm to do it for me. It knows my taste better than I do by now. Thank you, algorithm. Because I'm not a person, an individual with a unique soul, which you were telling me earlier. I'm just something that a robot can figure out. Robot. At the end of the day, I go to my stall where they milk me. <laughs> Robot, please select. It's not my stall. Some... It's a shared stall. <laughs> <laughs> Robot, please select some meaningful art for me to rent for the hour. <laughs> my soul needs to be inspired. Algorithm, give me some inspiration by the hour. Um, okay, when AI and robots took over, it says robots. When AI and robots took over so much of our work. We suddenly had time to eat well, sleep well, and spend time with other people. The concept of rush hour makes no sense anymore since the work that we do can be done at any time. I don't really know if I would call it work anymore. It's more like thinking time, creation time, and development time. <laughs> no one does any work. Fascinating. <laughs> For a while, everything was turned into entertainment and people did not want to bother themselves with difficult issues. It was only at the last minute that we found out how to use all these new technologies for better purposes than just killing time. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city. Those we lost on the way. Oh, those people in Texas. My biggest concern is all those deplorables who chose to move to Texas and create a new nation <laughs> where they were free. Those people we lost on the way. Sorry, I added that bit. You lost them because they moved, they've now advanced, technology's <laughs> advanced for them and they've moved to a different solar system and they're planning to build a, a large fence around ours. So we can't get Those out. Those people who insisted on having their, their, own, <laughs> their own pair of underwear. <clears throat> Those who decided that it became too much, all this technology. Those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over the big parts of our jobs those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different but kinds of lives. Antifa. Yeah, <laughs> those, listen to this. They live different kinds of lives outside of the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. 
Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. That sounds perfect. I would love to escape your where, dystopia. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like also, where is there even now a 19th century village? Does she know what how centuries work? There are not really 19th no. century villages sitting around. She means a 20th century village. She doesn't know a century. By the way, this is okay. so this is so this reminds me so much of of the Marxist stupidity with respect to like how people will behave if you just change these things. It's like no one owns anything. Like none of this stuff is getting productive. Like it's getting produced. No robots, no algorithms, no AI, your underwear, your KitchenAid. None of this stuff is actually going to get produced because no one owns anything because no one gives a crap. Yeah. Okay. One, we're almost at the end, guys. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do think and dream of is recorded. I just what? hope that nobody will use it against me. All in all, it is a good life, much better than the path we were on, <laughs> where it became so clear... <laughs> that we could I'm not sorry. continue. Did they the just address this? Like we had. <laughs> uh, did they just address this giant thing and seal it off with? I just hope no one will use it against me. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> they did. Oh my god! <laughs> all in all, life is good. It says Carter. All in all. All in all, it is a good I life. work on the master's plantation <laughs> and, and, and rely on him for my sustenance. I just hope he won't use it against me. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> oh. uh, all in all, it's a good life. Much better than the path we were on where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all these terrible things happening. Lifestyle diseases, climate change the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. Huh, it almost sounds like they want to use all these things to push us towards this dystopia they want us in. Uh, we lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. And then <laughs> oh, that's the end. Oh, we can do things differently. Yeah. No, the problem, Carrie, is no one realizes that we could do things differently. That's the problem. We're just all I dumb. See. Um, I see. I, I'm going to change my position on something. I have been arguing that, because um, I know Elon Musk wants to colonize Mars. I've been arguing that he should make sure that only wrong thinkers end up on Mars so we can start over. I have a way better idea. All of the World Economic Forum people get to colonize Mars. They all get to go, and they can take over Mars, and the rest of us can stay in the backwater planet Earth, which is doomed to die because of climate change and it's okay leave us here you guys go we'll be some ais and shared underwear on flying cars on mars and you guys can have mars <laughs> you guys they'll be writing about how they had to leave all of us behind you know yeah. all those people then, those poor backwards people who wanted their freedom we right. had to leave and then the tragedy behind. of the commons will will yield to the entire destruction of the mars colony and uh, and we'll write, yeah, there was a bunch of lefties who went to Mars just a couple centuries ago. We don't know what happened to them. They stopped communicating and, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> they went on to a better place. <laughs> yeah, they're in a better place. 
Uh, Utopia worked out. I'm going to read some super chats. You guys, thank you for bearing with us for that. I think you'll understand. You understand now that we're, we finished it, why that was necessary to read out loud. It was pretty special. Amazing. So, Zap, <laughs> Zap Raldowser. What a great name. Rousdowser. Rousdower. Gives us 20 bucks and says, I just got my power back after eight days from Hurricane Ida. Ouch. Most don't understand what bad actually is because we're comfortable. That is a reality we have to acknowledge. Thank you. By the way, your show helps disaffected people like myself. Thank you, Zap. I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And I'm glad you have your power back. That Can I just make a recommendation to everyone? Yeah. Get a generator. They're not that expensive. I have a generator. Um, You know, you can, you can, a few hundred bucks, make sure you have gas for it. Uh, It, it will keep your freezer and refrigerator going, which are very important. So your food doesn't spoil and you can kind of eke out eke out existence while you're waiting for power to come on. It's not that hard. And it's part of kind of being in control of your own destiny and and being self-reliant. So get a, get one. And then Twee Girl (laughs) says, we are one in all in all all in (laughs) one. There are no men, but only the great we one indivisible and forever. That'll probably be our future um, anthem. It sounds I'm not like sure it's what from that's Anthem. from, but thank you, Twigger. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's from Anthem. Uh, do you want to do more or no? The, uh, well, these are not super chats. I just saw some funny comments in the chat. Clarissa oh. says, do they really think all this is going to fly in America? I think they do. Yeah. And yes, Mandy and, says, and it will, Clarissa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mandy says, uh, They're this, right. blog has, this blog has been written by Punky Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me read a couple more that we missed. Okay. Cheeky Mare says, uh, I'm behind watching at 2X. A lady in Bible study works in a hospital. She is mad at the 150 unvaxxed nurses who got fired, and now they are shorthanded. So she's mad for the people that got fired. She's mad at the people that got fired because she wants their help. Well, hey, maybe she should be mad at the people who fired them. Um, Mandy says, the movie The Big Short from 2015 has taught me all about the the house bubble shit. I recommend seeing it. Um, I haven't seen that one. There is a really good book about the financial crisis by John Allison, um, which I will try and look up and post in here. If you're interested in the financial crisis, that's another great one. He's the CEO. He was the CEO of BB&T, which is a bank. And he was basically forced by the Fed to take TARP money. He didn't want TARP money but they wanted him to have to take TARP money. Um, so it's called, well, I'll find the book and I'll, I'll, oh, here it is. It's The Financial Crisis and the Free Market Cure. Um, so that's a, it's a pretty good book if you're interested. Um, let's see. Super Iron Bob, did you get to that one? No. Is the class, is the class delineation then when your underwear as a service gives you a new pair every day versus you're the one getting the holy pair? Yes, right? <laughs> if you're in the upper class, you get the underwear first. That is correct. <laughs> our yes. underwear first. <laughs> our, yes, our, under, our underwear comes first. If you vote the right way, <laughs> you're on, Dion, you get the underwear first. Dion says, God, this is Anthem. Um, so I think you were right. Yeah. I think that's what that quote was from. It feels like Anthem, right? Um, just for those of you who don't know, it's a, Anthem is a short 
short book. Uh, I think it's actually appropriate for kids. I think my daughter read it a while ago. It's an Ayn Rand uh, book, and it is about a society in which the word I has been outlawed, um, and there's only we. Uh, and it's kind of a fascinating story. So, And it's much easier than reading, like, it's probably, the whole thing's probably shorter than John Galt's speech in Atlas Shrugged. So. Oh, cool. um, I'm going to read it. Sure. <laughs> I <am. laughs> hey, I got to go soon. I got to check out of this. I got to blow this, this milkshake stand. That's cool. I just posted the link to the John Allison book in chat, so if someone wants to buy it, they can. Um, I don't think we have a lot more. I mean, I, Jason shared a bunch of stuff with me, but I don't know if we need to cover it. Apparently, there's some ivermectin misinformation going on over the weekend and claims that people were oh, I saw that having fake all these news. problems. But that was yeah. just completely fake news. Rolling Stone used a fake picture and complete fake yeah. narrative just to kind of scare people. Um, Rachel Maddow posted so, fake, fake articles, and Twitter didn't do anything about it, like fake yep. stories. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and as Beverly says, Rush's 2012, the first side of the album was inspired by Anthem. Yeah, uh, the Rush, the band Rush, the 20, uh, 2112 um, is inspired by that book, Anthem. That's correct. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else, Gary? We, are we, can we just <laughs> sign off? I'm just leaving on a silly high on how ridiculous that article is. And it's all serious. Here, let's put the article in the chat. You guys have to read this again. It is it is ridiculous, <laughs> but on this at the same token, like it's just because it's stupid doesn't mean someone won't like doesn't mean like a bunch of people won't try it together. That's and, what like, they're trying, yeah. They will do it, like yeah. that. That is their goal, and they will try and implement it. Like I, you know, just because it's dumb doesn't mean that most people will will stop this. They, you know, they'll. I wouldn't be surprised if. Like that that's what they're trying to implement. I they'll they'll keep going. Yeah. Or they'll never get to that specific quote utopia. No, it won't be perfect, but they're gonna try. They're gonna take away all of they're our freedom. Keep pushing our it. ability yeah. to own things, and they're gonna tell us all along, like, look, but we're getting to this look, this blog, look how happy she is, like in this future. Yeah, world. yeah, look, here's the you here's know? the fantasy world. Mm hmm And she does have a slight concern about us using the invasion of privacy against her, but all in all, this is a great life, she says. So yeah. <clears throat> anyway. All in all, it's a great life. As long as they don't use any intimate details about me against me, I guess I'll just have to hope. It's a great life, and I hope my underwear shows up tomorrow. Uh, so, or otherwise, otherwise I'm out. <sighs> All right, Carrie's gone. I guess that means she's she's out, guys. We will see you on Friday. As a reminder, we do have a Beverly. Remind me. I think it's coming out tomorrow, and I think it's a deprogrammed. I think we have a deprogrammed uh, episode with uh, drunks. Drunk CPO um, tomorrow. It's going to come out on Odyssey and on the Clips channel uh, because we're still banned from the other one. We'll move it to the other one uh, later. Um, and uh, Drunk 3PO, yep. Drunk 3PO is who it's with. So check that out. That will be here and on Odyssey tomorrow. And uh, I don't know. Can't think of anything else. <laughs> it will be this channel. Yes, Greg who's asking in chat, because this is the channel we have access to right now. So, um, And Zato points out that underwear isn't required in the new Utopia. I hadn't thought of that, Zato. It does make the new Utopia slightly more attractive to me, 
I will admit. On that note, have a good one, and we will see you guys on Friday for the next Coffee Break. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and may be subject to federal entrapment. Research shows that wearing a mask significantly reduces the risk of becoming infected with independent thought. The next war will be nothing like Afghanistan. I promise. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.